Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. again sunny sunday uh rainy days and mondays always bring me down no that's not right this is the code 47 podcast over on the secret friends unite podcasting network episode 64 i am your humble servant trek lord of west michigan captain charlie carden of the uss grand petoskey a chapter of the starfleet international fan club overall geek joined by my uh, qt geek as it were that would be katie quinn katie how are you today I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, it's Sunday nights are always, uh, always can always be a little depressing. You got the work week encroaching upon you, but then we get to do. Well, then we get to do this. And we get to have fun. You and I are doing this now. In a couple of hours, we'll be recording with Todd on Secret Friends, and it's just it's a good it's a good frozen February Sunday. Just a a few <laughs> a few, a few weeks before my 64th birthday. My did I say 64? Uh, this is episode yes. 64. I'm tr- I'm turning. 46 wow oh my god wow charlie i did not know that (laughs) no the the hair is not gray enough um but uh but yeah we're back here to talk about some trekking um but we always kick things off i I try to steal a a bit uh though it's not always quite as exciting from secret friends that would be this um super cool ish uh, cover piece of art here. Uh, I, I grabbed the VHS covers that were from, you know, the 80s and the early 90s. But <laughs> this is a, a season three episode of Star Trek, the original series called The Tholian Web, uh, where the Enterprise runs afoul of these weird aliens that you really you get to see them a little bit more closely, I think, in Enterprise. And have we seen one in Discovery? I feel like we have. Maybe. The they're Tholians? like, yeah, they're like big little crystal. They're like crystals. With like oh, little, little, like with little spider feet, they're like, and they they kind of squeal. They any of them in Discovery? I, I pers- do know I've seen one before. Yes, there was. It was totally. It was that episode, uh, the couple episodes of Enterprise where they went mirror universe and they they captured a Tholian and then they tortured it and killed it. It was great. Oh, uh, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. But yeah, this. I thought there was something about the prime directive of like, you know, not interfering. I feel like interfering oh. and killing would maybe uh, but this was the mirror universe, as I had said. Oh, so yes, it's the it's it's opposite day, it's bizarro world. Mm-hmm. It's you know, up is down, bad bye. Um but yeah, this is it's kind of a stock image of the enterprise being uh caught in the in the tennis net of the Tholian web. Yeah, the season three of you know, the original series of Star Trek uh, was kind of a wasteland. Uh, Katie, I don't know, I don't know how, how familiar you are with the original series. I not, I avoid the original series. Yeah, I, you know what? And to be honest with you, there's so many diehards are like, oh, God, it's the greatest thing you ever made. In particular, that third season was blah. So this was this was very close to the end. This was about just pr- pretty close to the end of that series. So by the end of the series, they had less and less money to make anything quite the, the, effect, the effects were bad the scripts were crappy i think they were given maybe they're given episodes to the janitor maybe the ups guy i don't it was a bad situation so anyway that's 64 um but but 
uh, getting into the first part of our show, uh, something where budgets are high because it's animated and the budgets are always the same. Uh, that would be these last two episodes of Star Trek Prodigy taking us to the true mid-season. This would be a 20-episode season. And it's weird because it's not, you know, uh, it's this is kind of a, a third season or it's kind of a quarter season because we got five episodes. They stopped, brought Discovery mm-hmm. back. They stopped Discovery. They brought this back. Now they're bringing Discovery back. So we have these 10 episodes, but they didn't air in any kind of sequence. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, But what's kind of cool about this one is that it was a two-parter, and it gave you the really, truly kind of nice Star Trek vibe to it. I really liked it. I I watched it again this afternoon. So, uh, Katie, tell us about A Moral Star Part 1, Episode 9. Yes, the crew forgoes their dreams of Starfleet to return to Tars Lamora in a no-win scenario. And they are in cat boots all the while. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, just love, I just love, I was thinking, unless we come up with something better, which I know we will, that's just totally what I would call this episode. I like cat boots. That's awesome. Um, but this was cool. So you, you have this this kind of ragtag group of ding-dongs, you know, led by this this kid that you, whose guts you hate. I know you've said it time and again. Um He's that really better. I'll acknowledge he, that. He is getting Just better. And I, like yeah. Episodes. <laughs> exactly. It's the last horse to cross the finish line without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But he, um, you know, yeah, the, even he recognizes that, uh, you know, their um, opportunity uh, to go back and rescue the miners from this mining colony, which is where we started the series uh, from the, uh, I keep wanting to call the bad guy, the overlord. What is it? What, what is he called again? He's called the overlord. The Overlord works for me. I'm some, I'm sometimes bad on details, but thank God we have uh, Wikipedia up, which could actually answer the question. Yeah, they. Uh, not seeing it at first blush, but we will get to it eventually. Um, but I like this. This this was some nice setup. Oh, uh, oh, Dr- oh, Dreadnought. Dreadnought is his robot guy, which I love because oh, the Diviner. He's the Diviner. The diviner. There we go. Right to the Diviner. So isn't that the tuning fork that they use? Ding! Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a uh, divining rod, isn't it? I don't know. I think so. I don't know. It, My divining it, rod is supposed to find water, maybe. Maybe I would just keep thinking the the inanimate carbon rod from Deep Space Homer episode of The Simpsons in Rod, in rod We Trust. Um, but yeah, so they're being given uh, an opportunity to go back, uh, and because the diviner needs the needs the proto drive, he needs to be able to to take the uh, the proto star, and he needs to get back. To, he wants to get back to Starfleet. That's his original plan, but we don't know why just yet until we get into part two. So um, highlights of part one for you. What, 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 what really stood out to you? Um, I really enjoyed how they finally were acting like a team. They seemed like they were finally listening to each other, acknowledging each other and kind of being able to lean on each other's strengths without um, like any of them acting like idiots or being really like foolhardy. So I thought that was really nice. And overall, like it probably was my, like this set was probably my favorite set out of the series, which isn't, as you were saying, isn't saying much because I wasn't a right. super fan of the series. <laughs> but you know, I thought if if they continue this upward trend, I might I might be more apt to continue watching it. 
Good. I don't have to do a podcast review. <laughs> I got you. Yes, when it's homework, like the reading we like the reading we did for Secret Friends this week. That was oh. a, that was a yeah. lot of. We're gonna have to have a pick a because you and I got to pick five or six. Five or six. You had four issues. I had six. Todd had like eight. So we're gonna we're gonna have words about that. We're gonna have words about <laughs> it. Was too much too much reading for my Sunday. Um, but uh, yeah, spread it out over the like two weeks. I know it's just my new my new job has me running every which way. So I just have a lot less time that, you know, for the year before that, that I spent unemployed, I have a lot less time. So it's, it's an, it's an, it's an adjustment in time management. So, um, I love, of course, that we get new Starfleet uniforms and it's kind of funny because people are pissing them out. Oh God, how many different kinds of uniforms do they need? If you even looking at the United States military, which has five, now six branches, they all they share some uniforms. They have a lot of unique uniforms. You know, Star, Starfleet is a shared service. They do a lot of different stuff. So I think it's super cool, particularly from the the perspective of a cosplayer, um, to have all these different cool options and to have you know comm badges that are slightly different. But just to have you know the rank pips are all the same. I like that. You know, or you different yeah. you know, the different boots on the lower decks outfits. It's just it's just fun. It's fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's the future. You know, it's not like you have to go out and you know, spend all this money as a, you know, service person to buy all these outfits. Everything comes out of a replicator. There's no money. So you know what? Have all the different uniforms you want. It's just sometimes it's good. They kind of look like each other. Uh, and it was, we, we, and we got another variation at the end of the next episode, but I don't want to, I don't want necessarily want to jump all the way to the end, but here's something that I missed in going back and doing some research. Cause I'm trying to figure out where's Chakotay. What happened to Chakotay? Um, and why was Protostar just sitting there on that planet? And tell me if you missed this as well. Protostar, after Chakotay got separated from, and I was going back and reading some of the older uh, captions of the show, uh, was thrown backwards in time and had been sitting there on that planet for like 20 years. Oh, I did not know that. Exactly. So I read that and I saw the day, oh, you know, the Protostar uh, was on Tars Lamora in 2366. I'm like, 2366? This is this is 2383. That's very commonly spelled out in some of this language. But yeah, that was said when um when the uh oh my god, I'm gonna screw up then it went not not Dal, but who's the who's the other girl? Who's the girl? Oh, oh Quinn. When yeah, when when uh, Gwen finds out, uh, kind of her own backstory, that piece of information was in there, and I just totally missed it. So I feel like a a total dope. So you know, misery loves company. So thank you for <laughs> thank you for also being ignorant. I appreciate it. So uh, yeah, uh, moving into episode two. Uh, yes, we our, our crew has been stranded. Uh, the diviner was successful in kidnapping the ship, but he did take Gwen with him. Mm -hmm. um, he also transformed Janeway into an evil Janeway. Yeah, we got goth Janeway. Yeah, she really goth out. So she looks a little, you know, she kind of a little bit more has their style. Um, so, you know, and what he also did when he was leaving the planet in episode one is he he did a shot of phaser blast at the protective shield for the mining colony so that they would all suffocate, which is just what, what a what a great, super cool thing that is new. Thanks, buddy. It's, yeah, it's kind of his scene. That makes sense. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that, that's really up his alleyway. So uh, from that, um, they are, you know, we see our crew obviously back on. Uh, the planetoid, trying to figure out a way to restore it, um, but they use Starfleet tech for the first time to help these other, you know, uh, slave miners be able to speak to each other because they don't have a they don't have the UT. So now you got the cat person talking to the rock person, and they they and 
by doing this, they're creating their own little cooperative federation of people working towards uh, a common goal. But uh, you know, back on uh, back on Protostar, which is you know Protostarring its way back to the Alpha Quadrant uh, from, and they're all the way out in the. Well, they went they went out to the Gamma Quadrant, then they came back to the Delta Quadrant, and now they're on their way. If it's a whole ping pong, if you can see the map behind me, they went mm-hmm. from. Yeah, they they were here, and they went here, 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 and it was a whole thing, but um, but yeah, it's where you know the diviner reveals this evil plan, and it was very it was very Thanos like. It was very you know he takes her into Haldek program. He's like, this is our home world. It was beautiful, and she was like, I thought you told me it was wiped out. I thought we were the last members of our species. She said, we are in the future. We are because here's the deal. It was revealed to me that because of Starfleet and the Federation. There was a plague or a catastrophe that totally wiped out our planet because of Starfleet. I think he said about a civil war because when uh, I think he explained it where when they did first contact after they left, there was a civil war for those who wanted to um, like and be embraced by the Federation versus those who right. wanted to be Yes, exactly. Exactly, and, th- and that led to this huge civil war. Yeah. Exactly correct. So, yeah, I, catastrophe of a different type. So, so his grand solution is: well, I'm going to go back, and because this happened in the future, um, uh, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to wipe out the Federation, and that way they can't hurt us. That was a that was totally stolen from a the the whole that reminded me of Titan on in Avengers: Infinity War and Thanos doing the this is what it was like, and uh, mm-hmm. eventually, eventually, you know, because there were too many people, they ate all the food and everybody died or whatever. But this this was the plot line of a movie. This is killing me. Where it was the same thing. They they went back to retroactively. It's it's kind of like a Terminator. You know, I say, well, I mean, it's Terminator for sure. <laughs> I just I feel like there's something that's super closely analogous to this. Now I now I need to look at now I need Memory Alpha to bail me out. But while I look, while I look, uh, give me your thoughts. What did what did you like? What did you dislike? Um, I liked um, that Gwen kind of got to hold her own against her father. I thought that was really great um, because there was a moment where you they were kind of playing it off like she was going to agree with him, be like, oh yeah, well then we have to destroy the Federation. And she flat out tells him, you cannot substitute one tragedy for another tragedy. You can't wipe out an entire race or, you know, the entire Federation just because you don't want this to happen to our people. Like, you can't talk to them. You can't, you, you can't tragedy stack. It's not no. like, uh, it's, not, it's not like stacking coupons at the grocery store. No, it's not. You don't <laughs> oh. just swap them out. Oh um, man. So. Tra- tragedy stack. I think I just, I think I just found a great name for the episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, tragedy stacking. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we come up with something. We'll see if we come up with something better along the way, but, uh, right. no, it's, a, it, it's going to drive me nuts because there's, there's like a sci-fi equivalent. Like this was a plot line from, something else and if it's a star trek one i'm going to kick myself but even 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 just even just looking at the notes uh, here in memory alpha it's not really really jumping right out at me so um but lots of great tidbits in this obviously in the end of it um you know uh, good triumphs um you see zero uh use his medusan powers medusan uh, medusan that's actually uh, from the original series, uh, from season three, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, uh, in an episode guest starring your favorite actress, Diana Muldar, who is Dr. Pulaski, where she plays a blind scientist who's able to interact with this um, non-corporeal creature who's mad, or who's, whose non-corporeal appearance causes madness in, in 
humanoid life forms. Uh, and that's why Zero wears his little ball suit with his hand. So when he lets himself out of it, he drives the Diviner nuts. But unfortunately, the catch is a bat glare, which also knocks Gwen out, but she's eventually able to be healed. Mm-hmm. Um, so our people are successful, and they're able to take the Diviner ship, which they use to escape from uh, Tazlamora, the asteroid colony, and give it to the asteroid miner slaves, and they're able to go out and kind of seek their own destiny, like the like the Cylons at the end of uh, Battlestar Galactica. Exactly. That, there you go. There's a tag. But that still is just absolutely killing me that I can't remember that this totally feels like, it, like uh, yeah, your reviews of TNG. I get, or, like or it's going to be like, I'll remember it while we're recording with Oxford and I'll just blurt it out like a crazy really? person. But say la vie. But there were some killer nuggets at the end of this. So when the protostar blasts away and then they cross into the sensor range of what would essentially be Starfleet, you know, there's a fade out and it fades in with a blinking light and it pulls back to the face of a Starfleet ensign in a very, you know, notably Starfleet looking kind of uniform. That's a nice cross between a Starfleet dress uniform and kind of the all good things uniform. That was what uh, our our co-host Peter pointed out to me uh, over on Discord. Um, But uh, she says, Admiral, we've got a spot and, and whips around and it's Admiral Janeway is in command of the ship that is clearly looking for the protostar but when they pull back uh, out of that shot she is flying the USS Dauntless which was the fake ship uh, from one of the uh, I think the season 4 finale of Voyager with a guy who tried to trap the crew and, and say hey this is a ship from Starfleet they flew it here why don't you get on and then he was just going to fly him into Borg space and kill him does that sound familiar Ray Wise was the guest star. Ray Ray Wise, so, but yeah, 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 yeah. So that was super cool. They took that, but it was the it, it was the exact same design. So that's just kind of that's just kind of weird. I would love to. I look forward to an explanation of kind of what what uh, is the deal with that. So, um, but yeah, super cool mid season, or I should say, half se- quarter mid quarter third season finale, whatever it is you want to call it. But yeah, I agree with you. I was the most engaged and kind of really on board uh, with the series at this point, because, you know, there, there were a couple of filler episodes here and there that were very tropey. You know, we had that, we had the time fractured one, which was the most recent, which was a lift from an episode of Voyager. They had the Kobayashi Maru one, which kind of felt like it was, it kind of felt like it was guest star heavy. Like if it was a sweeps episode, like, Oh, we got Spock and Scotty and Beverly Crusher and Odo and blah, blah, blah. Where this, this really felt like, you know, it moved the needle for the characters. And like you, I, I really, I really enjoyed that. I think that's the best. So yeah, so now we get uh, we get Discovery back for seven more episodes, and then if I'm not mistaken, the last of those seven, the last three of those seven, will overlap with Star Trek Picard. So we're gonna have just a total shit ton of stuff to talk about. It's totally nuts. Yeah, so much stuff. So much stuff. But that gets us into segment two. Now you said last week you would consider singing. You gonna, <laughs> you gonna cut loose? All right, here. Are you ready? <clears throat> you got it. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, Katie Rick rolls us. New name of the episode. Oh my goodness. Oh, okay. I love it. All right. But at, at any rate, it's been a long road. Uh, we are into part two of season two of Star Trek, the next generation airing, uh, just kicking off the year, the last year of the 80s decade, 1989. Uh, we've got five episodes to talk about, the first of which is The Schizoid Man. 
written by Les Landau, or excuse me, directed by Les Landau, who's a guy who did a lot of TNG. Mm-hmm. Uh, screenplay by Richard Manny and Heinz uh, Beimler, who was a guy who did a lot, a lot, a lot of TNG. And Tracy Torme, who was he was a bigger name, I believe, in season one. And then I think he kind of fell off the map in season two. Uh, January 23, 1989 was week of. Uh, scientist Dr. Ira Graves, uh, actor W. Morgan Shepard, who shows up a couple of different times in Star Trek. I think he was the Klingon warden uh, in Star Trek VI on Rurapente, and he had a role in an episode of Voyager 2. So anyway, he's a face you end up seeing. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, he cheats death by uploading his memories and personality into data with wacky results, which he doesn't say. Um, yeah, he, uh, he and he's he's kind of a uh, creepy scumbag. Uh, yes, genius. And yep. so, you know, he has inexplicably a young, super cute assistant who lives with him, who after he dies, she comes aboard the Enterprise, uh, and uh, he just starts being super creepy with her. He's being insubordinate to Picard. He's he's just overall kind of just being a total jackass, and obviously, through that, the crew figures it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I once again, you know, Brett Spinner, amazing, wonderful his talent has, does never ceases to amaze me because he has to take on this role, um, which is very opposite of data. And so you get to once again, see his acting chops, which is great. But I wanted to strangle this man immediately. I was mm-hmm. super thrilled when I found out that he was going to die. Cause I was like, I to spend more than five minutes with him. Um, at one point he says, um, women aren't people, which I loved. That was great. I was like, you're just saying the quiet part out loud. Okay, buddy. That's fine. <laughs> How can I tell them because of the freezing process? I have no inner monologue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, it was bad. But no, it was cool. It was, it, you're right. For, for nothing else, the episode really highlighted uh, Brent Spiner's, you know, incredible abilities as an actor, his range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also gave him the, it gave us the very inexplicable data tries to have a beard part at the beginning of the episode. I- Love. I thought I was really hoping because I didn't remember. I don't remember a lot of these episodes. Um. So when I saw him show up and he had the Riker beard, I was like, please, please just let this entire episode be a spoof of Data, like satirically mi- mimicking Riker. <laughs> yes. Understanding why it's funny. Like I just want Data trying to because he's like when I stroke it like that, and it's the exact same way that Riker strokes his beard. He just like does it look like I am thoughtful. <laughs> My God! And what's funny is that Riker had just—he just had the beard since the beginning of right. season two. Um, so, was, yeah. So you know, Data is—is he trying to emulate him? Is he trying to make fun of him? Uh, but he—he he never makes it out of his quarters with the beard because obviously it's just—you know—he took his patches and a little glue and boop 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 boop, uh, yeah. which is fu- which is funny. I bought a fake beard once too to try to do a Riker, and I'm like, this looks so ridiculous. I think I threw it in the trash. I'm like, that was that was forty dollars well spent. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ah, the things we do for cosplay. Um, But anyway, uh, moving on, Katie, episode seven, that's all you. Yes. Uh, The Enterprise receives a distress call from the USS um, Lantry, discovering its crew has apparently died of old age. The race is on to solve the mystery before scientists on the research colony suffer the same fate. Womp womp. Episode, uh, by the way, is Unnatural Selection. Uh, directed by Paul Lynch, written by John Mason and Mike Gray from January 30 of 1989. Well, this was a Pulaski episode, so I already know that you. I already know that you love it. I mean, I, it's not. There's not I even actually, a qualifier. I really, really did. Oh well, I'm, I'm take, genuine. <laughs> take, take, take it away. Tell me why you loved it. I really wish this would have been the first episode that we met Pulaski. 
because I think it was a great way to develop her character. It showed that she had kind of the chops and the grit. It gave reasoning as to why she's so abrasive sometimes with Picard. And it felt like it was a much better dynamic to introduce her um, because you were able to sympathize with her. You saw that she was always putting the crew first instead of the weird way that they had her like bickering with data and trying to undermine Picard and all of this right. stuff. Cause like that stuff makes sense once you know her character, but when you don't know her character, she's just coming off as a dick. Right. You know, and it's funny you would, th- in a lot of ways, with with all television programs, you know it, everything's a work in progress. So it's not necessarily that they they you know they figured out at the end of season one. Well, Gates McFadden's not going to come back. We need to find a different character who's going to be you know the the chief medical officer. And so we'll do some casting and blah blah blah. And, and we're going to have this Doctor Catherine Plasky character, and she's going to be like this, and she's going to kind of like be McCoy, where like Doctor McCoy, where she's really grumpy and yada yada yada. But yeah, you don't you're right. You really you, you know the what, but you don't know the why. And mm-hmm. this is and this is the why no i agree with you i i think it's a great episode uh, i particularly love being from someone who has a, a kind of a military background in my family i love the the kind of the ceremony they have at the end where they they have to destroy the land tree because it's the infected ship and they they don't uh, they, they know they don't want anybody else to board so they all stand up and 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 honor and respect when they have to boy it was a, and Worf really nailed it one shot the whole thing blew up and there was nothing right? left to <laughs> just absolutely love those early special effects so yeah no i i I really dug on it. I think it was really well made and it's, it's a great sci-fi plot. Obviously in the end of it, these, you know, this colony of super children, uh, their immune systems were so powerful that they, uh, their super genes sensed a virus in one of the visiting Lantry crew uh, and turned that, that virus into a disease that made them age real fast, which was, also a lifted plot line for the original series. They did that in the episode of The Deadly Years in season two. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, there's still, you know, we find out for Star Trek over the next 30 years that there's a lot of tropes that find their way into each and every single series um, because they, they must work in some way, shape, or form. But, yeah, I agree with you. I really think uh, that this episode worked out as far as character development. But... I really love this next episode. Episode eight is A Matter of Honor, uh, directed by Rob Bowman, kind of TNG legacy dude. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Screenplay by Wanda M. Haight and George Amos. Uh, uh, and uh, teleplayed by Burton Armis, another big name in TNG, aired uh, in February 6th of 1989. Uh, Riker is assigned, at his own request, uh, to a Klingon vessel via an officer exchange program between the Federation and the Klingons. However, the Klingon captain is full of mistrust and wants Riker to fire on the Enterprise. That's a really shitty summary. I really yeah. do have to. I really do have to do better. Finding summaries. I'm gonna. I say that almost almost every episode, and I mean it every time. I really do. I swear to God. <laughs> um, but I really dug this. I felt like this was the first episode, and this was um, this was prior to uh, Ronald D. Moore being a part of the of the Star Trek world. He wrote a spec script in season three about Klingons. Uh, that mm-hmm. kind of began his career not only in Star Trek but also his his career in general because he was a young man when he did that. But so this was a pre Ron D. Moore Klingon story, and it's it's one of two. Because the first one was the at the end of season one, where you know, the, and they it was the first thing to really feature Worf. They picked up some Klingons off a freighter, and it turns out they were renegades trying to escape. Yada yada yada. I'm sure you know the episode I'm talking about. Oh yeah, that's the one where they have to they they hold his eyes open so they yeah can, exactly. right that, <laughs> that invented that Klingon death chant exactly. But this was great. This was the first. This was the first time we got put on a Klingon vessel. 
during a time when they're, you know, it's TNG and they're not our enemy. So we get to learn about their culture in a lot of different ways, you know, about the whole, you know, you've just, you know, this family member has dishonored their family. So we don't, it's like the Amish. We don't talk to them anymore. They're shunned Mm -hmm. because you find uh, it's Hector. Brian Thompson plays the main uh, Klingon Lieutenant uh, who has been in everything. Trust me. You you don't even need to take this guy's makeup to read because he's a real iron jaw and really expressive eyes. You know, the guy I'm talking Mm -hmm. about, he's just been in absolutely everything. Um, And this was great. And again, it was a Riker episode. Riker's my favorite TNG character. You know, he's (laughs) on my wall up here. I really kind of, I, kind of walk like him and talk like him and sometimes because he just I grew up watching him and I always thought this this dude is the dude but he um he really artfully uh navigates around the situation um where it turns out uh when the Klingon vessel picked him up uh a parasite which was on the Enterprise hall unfortunately got onto the Klingon's hall and so when the Enterprise discovers this they go back to help but this you know jerkwide Klingon captain's like they're coming to kill us blah 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 so Riker has to do some sleight of hand and this also introduces the whole uh, killing your superior officer if they're unfit for duty or relieving them in, in a yeah. forceful way, uh, which Riker does, but he does it with this great understanding of Klingon culture, which even uh, Brian, the Brian Thompson character uh, commends him for. So I really dug it. I thought I thought it was a really well-written episode, especially for the super uneven, you know, season two, where you're getting a lot of like, rrr, rrr, rrr. I thought I thought they did this well. Yeah, and I would, I would definitely agree. Like after watching Unnatural Selection and then coming into A Matter of Honor, I was really excited. I thought both of them were very, very solid episodes. Um, Riker can be hit and miss for me just because sometimes he comes off, you know, as he does with a creep factor. True, uh, true. I got gotcha. you. He just kind of smiles and stares at a woman until she acquiesces. <laughs> oh no! Super creepy. Whoops. Yes. <laughs> that's that's not so, that's not something I picked up from him. That's no. not me. That's not me. <laughs> but that said, you know, I do have. Uh, I do think he definitely has some lovable qualities, and this episode really played into those because he is very smart. He's very witty. He's very adventurous, and I think. You know, he can be a really fun character. And this was definitely one of those times that he really shone as a character. Gotcha. Totally. Yeah. I, I like it. Good stuff. Well, I mean, we've had two episodes in a row that we both really like, but now we're stepping into what is potentially the first absolute classic episode of TNG. Um, so go ahead, please. All right. This is A Measure of a Man um, by Robert. Sh- I don't know these names as well as you do. Shearer, let's go with. Sure. Okay, and it was, who is that? Is, Melinda, Melinda, Melinda Snodgrass. Yes. Done in February of 1989. Um, it says, after Lieutenant Commander Data refuses an order from Starfleet to be dismissed or dismantled for research purposes, a hearing is convened to determine if he is a legal citizen or a property of the Federation. Oh, such... Such a great episode that has yeah. had. Uh, first of all, um, within SFI and Katie, I know you're not a member of our chapter. Plug, plug, plug. Um, <laughs> but within SFI, one of one of the little side projects some of us in the region uh, did a number of months months back because we started these monthly script table reads where we would act out an episode over you know over Zoom. And this was the this was one of the first ones that we did. That you know we we found the script and we reached out to people who wanted to be involved and said you be and I got to be Riker of course. Um, um, and we got to read through and 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 do it, and so uh, it, it's powerful just to speak the dialogue. You know what I mean? It's 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 really great, and they they combine up a lot of like fun, like Picard meets a former lover who happens to be the Filipina. Starfleet. 
Yeah, Philippa Louvois. They're both French, though. Though he has a British accent and she has no accent, so proof that the future is this great big hodgepodge. And there, there, <laughs> there is really no nationality, um, or there, there's no national, you know, heritage in the way that we speak. It's weird. Um, but uh, yeah, God, this was great. Yeah. So you're you're saying you know that. Uh, somebody comes along and says, data's a robot. I've got a theory of how to reproduce him. So I just want him. So give it to him. This would be a, a commander Maddox who we end up seeing the same character, though, not the same actor in Picard as a much older man, because that whole first season of Picard, you've, you've seen Picard, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So yeah. So that whole first season had to do with, you know, artificial life and different stuff. So definitely touched upon this episode in particular, this character mm-hmm. who he was, he was like, you know, Pulaski on steroids with his, his contempt for data, Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and he went back to all the way back to when Starfleet, you know, when uh, data wanted to join Starfleet, this guy was the, the guy who stood in his way. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. So Picard says, no, you can't take my officer just because he's, you know, not a human being, he's sentient. Well, you know, then they had to have this, this big courtroom drama. Uh, you know, Riker had to be pulled in as prosecutor because he was duty bound to do it, even though it was very difficult for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a great speech. Uh, there was a great interaction. And again, we've not talked a lot about Whoopi Goldberg's character of Guinan, who was new this mm-hmm. season. Um, but her her relationship with Picard goes back in, in mysterious ways uh, that have been, you know, kind of uh, I think defined non canonically in novels and things like that. But we're going to be getting her back in Picard season two just in a month here, which is really exciting. But she and Picard have this amazing interaction about how Data's subspecies, uh, of, of which he's the only member, uh, that this whole concept is setting them up to be essentially treated like a race of slaves. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the winning argument that Picard uses to um, to essentially gain Data his freedom. So uh, I, I just can't, I've done all the talking. I can't say enough, but I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you talk. So please do. I mean, you you've hit all of the amazing points. It was I think really one of those episodes where part of the reason why it's so good is because every character is all of the best qualities of those characters I brought forward. So you see Riker's charisma and his willingness as an officer, where even though it's absolutely stomach churning for him, he has been told if you do not bring your a game, this guy automatically wins and data is going to be dismantled. And so he brings his a game and you can see that he is just absolutely torn up about it, but he still does it. And then you, right. know, you said you have um, Guinan and Picard, which I was a little, I actually did some research into Guinan Cause I was like, this has kind of that like, magical negro feel vibe to it but apparently Whoopi came to them and asked for this character like yes yes character so i was like okay that kind of helps take which, that off but. which is is funny because gene roddenberry the late gene roddenberry has been noted in saying that it's kind of the other way around you know that that he uh, he approached her, but then she approached him. You know, so that 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 was kind of unclear. I t- I tend to believe a little bit more of of what you're saying. That makes that makes a hell of a lot more sense. Yes, to me. and that or at um, least I don't know if it was that Jean approached her about a character and they collaborated and made this character together. Gotcha, gotcha. Maybe what I was so it definitely sounded like she had some collaboration and cre- the creation of this character. So I was like, well, that's good that you don't at least have this like feel good black woman who just shows up to help all of the white protagonists and make sure that their lives are better. <laughs> I am not naming this episode, the magical Negro. That's no, going too far. Not. That's no, not, no, well, not. We, we will, st- <laughs> we, we will, we will stick with this so far, but yeah, like I said, you know, we're, we're, we're 35 episodes into the series and they hit their first, just blaster of a note. Just mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, it's not that there weren't great episodes here and there or great segments here and there, or great yeah. character development, but this was the one where everything hit with the exception of the fact that 
Riker had to step up or they were or they were going to default. So it's mm-hmm. like not, it's, it's like not showing up for a summons and you automatically go to jail. That just I mean, I, I guess that seems kind of weird, but um, but it, it served the plot and it gave us this great performance and this great story. But that's the only part of it that I was kind of like, eh, I don't really well, get. I, mean, I think it made sense because at that point she was saying, I don't have any proof to not agree with him. And so then right. her challenged it. And she said, OK, well, if you're challenging it, then we have to have a trial. And if we're having to have a trial, we have to have both a defense and a prosecution. So if we can't right. have a Very prosecution, true. because she didn't have a staff. Because right. it was a new space or a new space star, star, star base, yeah. Yeah, 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 a new a new space starbase. So yes, um, in in space. Yeah, in space. Big surprise. <laughs> I like it. Star Ugh, I cannot talk right now. You got that? You doing okay? I'm All not, right. I'm not, I'm not okay. I'm not drinking. Are you drinking? Because we got another show to do after this. Oh I'm yeah, I know. I'm, I'm totally good. Are you kidding me? I'm gonna oh, present. Oh Todd. my god. Oh 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 wow. For Todd. Oh Todd's coming. Okay, great. Very good. Continue to be 100. <laughs> percent You'll be like me 112 percent by then. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, very well, good. I don't, I don't know if it's 12 proof. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> Now I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to Irish up my coffee. Get through this. Get through this deal. All right, let's take it home. Episode ten is the Dauphine, which I had to really practice and look up what the hell that was supposed to sound like. I think it's. I think it's the Dauphine. I think. Um, uh, directed by Rob Bowman again, a guy who did a lot of TNG. Uh, Scott Rubenstein and Leonard Mad- never. These guys never wrote another episode, so I'm not even going to bother. Uh, Aaron fed the week of Feb 20, which was the week of my birthday when I turned 13. Oh my god! Uh, girls wouldn't touch me with a 10 foot pole when I was 13. My goodness, good times. Middle school, bad times. Okay, the Enterprise hosts the young leader of Dalid Four, Salia, Jamie Hubbard. Uh, soon, Wesley Crusher, Will Wheaton, finds himself falling in love with her. Aww. However, Selena and her guardian harbor a secret. Ooh, her guardian, ouch! Even and and uh, even crustier than Pulaski, but the two of them end up crossing swords, which is absolutely perfect. Yeah, so you, you got you know Enterprise shows up at this weird planet uh, that they they beam up you know the, this uh, young emissary uh, and her guardian, very mysterious. And the guardian is like, no, you got a sander lock and key. You can't leave. You can't talk to anybody. But even as they're walking from the transporter room, Wesley walks by, and it's it's Boner City, man. I mean, I'm mm. sorry. That's that's just kind of the way it works for a young kid of his age. You know, where with Okana, it was what do we call that episode? The the the, the gay tilt or something? It's yes. Like oh. <laughs> for this, they, they, yeah, the scales of gay. This was the, this was the scales of straight. Uh, ooh, there we go. The scales of straight. New name of the episode. Um, but this it was touching and it was tender uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, as, it, as, as a young teenage boy, at the end of it, I could empathize with Wesley's experience. But you have a counterpoint, and I want to hear it instead of me just babbling. You go ahead, <laughs> go on, go on. I didn't, I didn't so much mind the um, like the tit for tat back and forth with them. I thought that was kind of cute. Um, I liked the idea that they were using Wesley as um, kind of to help this uh, the Delphine uh, M- Celia. Or, yeah, Celia, like, kind of do, like, her own coming to age because she had been raised in isolation on this planet because her planet, her original planet was at war. So she had been told her entire life, like, you are going to go and you're going to bring peace between your worlds and everything's going to be great. And she's like, well, what if I don't want to do that? And so Wesley was kind of her, like, last moment of indecision. And then it brought her to be able to do what needed to be done. But just the fact that he knew her for a whole four hours and... <sighs> 
I mean, I'm moment where like he finds out basically they're shapeshifters. That's the like big secret. And he finds out. So she's trying to like come to him and be like, hey, you know, I'm really sorry about this. And he's like, I loved you. She's like, I loved you. And he's like, did you though? And I'm like, dude, you've known her for less than a day. I I can simply tell you (laughs) as a love. And you know, it's funny because I will tell you that right around the same time I met the first girl that I had kind of that puppy that puppy love crush on um she and i are best friends today she lives a few blocks from here we hang out every week we talk all the time but we had this i was just like uh, i don't know what love is but i think i love you and it's just that's what being a, a dumb teenage boy is all about so i get and then i get his his bit at the end with guinan where he's like i'm never gonna feel this way again it absolutely feels that way for, for a teenage boy I, I will get, you know, and again, I've never been a teenage girl, can't speak to that experience. <laughs> but as a teenage boy, yeah, yeah, I mean, I remember when, you know, my friend who has name I'm not going to use, when I figured out that her feelings in that fashion were not reciprocated for me, I was devastated. It was, it was, it was, you know, laying awake on Friday nights and watching TV and reading my Star Trek novels and just being sad. So I was, I was Wesley. And it's funny that this was, this was maybe a year or so before I went through that same experience, but it's just too funny that I had the same kind of Wesley Crusher experience. You had the Wesley Crusher crush? I had the Wesley Crusher. Oh, oh, the names just keep getting better. The Wesley (laughs) Crusher crush. Oh, but yeah, no, I 100% get that part of it. The Wesley Crusher crush. Um, But uh, yeah, but yeah, it's a super cliche. I totally get it. But every once in a while you get a cliche that, that really, for me, totally hit the nail on the head. Um, I, and I love, I go ahead, please. Oh, I was saying, I think that I might've been more apt to forgo it. But the fact that I think he's supposed to, at least I was taking as he was like 16 or so at this point. Like 15, 16, not like yeah. 13. So right. like 13 I can get, but I'm like a 16-ish, 17. Like that, to me, I that one was where I was like, buddy, you can't the- tell me that you've never like seen another gal in Starfleet and been like, oh, hello. There's no, there's, there, there's no suit of armor around the heart. For that, for, for that first heartbreak, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm just, I just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. I, it's rare, but I'm gonna have to take Wesley's side on this one. I know how he feels, 100. Uh, percent And I think you alluded to it, but the um, the interplay when uh, Guinan and Riker are trying to show him how to flirt was, was absolutely spectacular. That that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun because yeah, it was, it was it was played for laughs, and I was laughing. Oh yeah, it was absolutely played for laughs because he he was saying the most ridiculous things, and I was right. Like, what? And he's like, I can't stop thinking about it. I'm like, no, you could. Probably. It's fine. Yeah, it's Why? okay. Why? It's okay. Why are you talking like this? Trust me. Go swing by Troy's quarters. It'll be fine. Yeah. I was funny because I was thinking about your line in the other episode that you said, well, I, between Troy and Riker, they went back and forth who can't keep their pants on. And I was just thinking today, both of them were wearing unitards this entire season. So they couldn't, they couldn't take their pants off. You would think so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! All right. Well, that that draws to a close the second uh, the 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 second quarter uh, of our breakdown of this. So, uh, compare contrast first quarter to second quarter. What which one are you liking more? Um, I think that I definitely liked the second quarter more, just because that's like I didn't love the ooh actually, I because I did really like the one in the last set that was about the ambassador. 
Okay. Yeah. The Reva. Yeah. The yeah. deaf guy, the deaf yeah. actor. Yeah. Um, I really, really enjoyed that episode, but that was the only one that I was like, Ooh, this is a good episode. Yeah. Um, in this set, I really enjoyed, you know, like three out of the five. Right. Really, gotcha. Really solid. And then the other ones I was like, Neh. I'm like, this is kind of annoying. Like there's, there's some yeah. stuff in here where I'm like, not great, but. Right. You're not, you're not selling it to me. Forget about it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, well, well, that's good. Well, we will be back in a couple of weeks to uh, tackle the, the, the segment three of four. Uh, and also to talk about the first two episodes of the return of discovery. You're up to date, right? You're good to go to yes. jump in back into discovery. Awesome. Good deal. Well, with that, my dear friend, why don't you take us up on out of here? Yeah, for more information about Starfleet International, please visit Grand Potosky and Region 13 on Facebook. All right. Well, friends, thank you, as always, for joining us. I'm going to tell you, as always, that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. All right. Wherever you go, go boldly. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit SecretFriendsUnite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.